Welcome to The Mountain, where we discuss current events, past events, and possible future events, all from a biblical perspective, with the goal of encouraging and informing Christians, as well as the goal of bridging the gap with those who do not believe in Christianity through bringing understanding. So we hope that whatever you believe in today, that you'll stick around and join us as we dive into today's topic. All right. Welcome, everybody, to The Mountain. This is episode number two of this brand new podcast, groundbreaking piece of work. And my name is Sammy. I will course be your host today and i brought in my friend mckinley say hello to everybody McKinley. hey uh, hey everybody <laughs> <laughs> um mckinley's actually a friend of mine he came into a bible study that i was a part of one night a few years back and we kind of were able to cultivate a relationship from there and i just felt like the subject that we're going to be discussing today he'd be a perfect guy to come in and share some perspective on so just to kind of introduce him real quick, McKinley's 21 years old. He's a student at Liberty, taking some general, sounds like um, biblical studies and theology course, right? Yeah. Major right. at Liberty and just working, he said, for Blue Cross, right? Blue Cross. Yep. So um, I think that he's going to have some valuable perspective and interesting take and experience on what we're going to talk about today. Because one thing I know is he's very vocal about his faith and definitely with the goal of uh, bringing others to an awareness of the gospel and, and of Christ. So so with that being said, um, I felt like the direction to go for this next episode, the topic that came to my mind last week was on apologetics and its usefulness, what apologetics is, how is it um, useful for us in sharing the gospel, and you know what are some potential pitfalls of apologetics, if there are any. And so for reasons that I'm going to get into in here in just a moment, I feel like it is an important subject for the day and age that we live in, and even more so moving forward with the direction that our culture is going in and uh, just in general. So because we do live in what is called the information age. So um, we just live in a time period where people are constantly looking up information from all kinds of sources. Some are credible and some are not. And people are more informed than they've ever been, but possibly more misinformed than they've ever been in a lot of a lot of ways, too. So I'm going to save that for here in just a minute. But that just kind of sets up what we're going to be talking about today. And I do think McKinley has, he's going to bring some valuable insight um, and ideas to this subject and perspective. So we're just going to dive right in. And so briefly to define apologetics, I'm actually read the definition. If you Google, if you just Google apologetics, what you're going to find is according to uh, the dictionary, Definitions from Oxford languages, if you just Google apologetics, it's going to say it is a noun, meaning reasoned arguments or writings and justification of something, typically a theory or religious doctrine. Uh, so reasoned arguments and writings to justify something, particularly religion. And in 
in our case, uh, apologetics, Christian apologetics is basically defending Christianity and the history of doing so is nothing new. Um, if you, and I'll put the link to this up, but if you're to, if you were to just simply Google and look up the history of apologetics, you'll find that, you know, there's early documents as early as the second century of writers, uh, sending letters to Roman officials and, you know, people in in that time period to defend Christianity and what it's about and, you know, what it is and what it is not. And to answer uh, people that were suggesting that Christianity was harmful to the society and culture. And their goal was to defend the faith, you know, and why those those views were not true and what Christianity is actually about. So in a nutshell, it's defense of the faith. That's Christian apologetics, defending Christian Christianity through reason and logic and history and, you know, things like that, just appealing to reason and logic. So the question is, uh, that's a general overview. And like I said, I'll post a couple of things that you can kind of look at if you're, if you're not familiar with the term apologetics and you want to understand more. Um, to give you some insight of some popular apologetics of our day, apologists, excuse me, obviously, uh, Ravi Zacharias would be the most notable name. And we'll kind of talk briefly about him in a moment. Uh, another guy that's very popular right now would be Frank Turek is a real popular apologist. And um, a lot of these guys, you know, travel and they do just that. They go to defend Christianity, what we believe in as Christians and why we believe in it. Uh, and even what we don't believe in that, that would be popular conceptions of what Christians do believe in. And they travel. Uh, Robbie did. And Frank Turek does this. And you can look him up on YouTube and see some of his work. But they'll travel to college campuses in particular and just answer people's questions. Uh, and people come with a lot of questions because, you know, like I said, we live in a day and age where people are highly informed. But the de the pitfall to that is, you know, people are highly misinformed. And so apologists aim to bring clarity and truth where there's misinformation and kind of iron out the wrinkles, so to speak. So that's a general overview of apologetics. Um, so what I want to do is dive into how does apologetics differ from biblical evangelism, if at all? Is there a difference in evangelism, the way that Jesus laid it out and the way that the apostles uh, evangelized? And if there is a difference, why is that important? And what are the pros and cons? So I'm going to go into that. And before I do, just to set it up, you know, this is an important subject because of, like I've said a couple of times, just this information age. And I said this, I think, on the last podcast. And a side note, I had an editing issue and I lost a lot of content. So if you caught on to the fact that some of there was like gaps, you know, sort of a jump from a statement to something else, that's what happened. I figured out why that happened. We shouldn't have that problem anymore. One thing that I said, if it didn't get lost, is that we live in a day and age where you can actually find a full-blown documentary. You can find all kinds of resources to educate you and therefore justify pretty much any belief system you want to gravitate to. So if you want to believe in 
anything. It, it doesn't really matter what it is at this point. And the list just keeps on growing. It almost seems like it'll be infinite. There are tons of internet resources and even written resources that you can find to validate that belief system. And the problem is that if you dig into a lot of these things, you'll find that the information is not credible. So you, you really have people all over the place that have developed full-blown worldviews, frameworks um, for viewing life itself that are based completely off of misinformation or based off of half-truths that somebody's taken as a foundation and developed into a worldview that's inaccurate. So apologetics from that standpoint is important because it helps a Christian meet a person where they're at and take a subject that that person is believing and let's backtrack and break it down and let's get to where it came from, how it's compatible with, you know, what the Bible has to say about life and how it's not. And at the same time, uh, validating the claims that the Bible makes about that subject, if possible. So that's, that's why it's important because, you know, you want to be able to make educated decisions about anything. And especially when you're making complete uh, life decisions, you know, this is what I'm going to base my entire life off of my ethics, my morals, uh, my thoughts on the afterlife. I'm going to roll with this. Well, for me, you know, I want to have the information to make an informed decision when I'm making that decision. And apologists aim to give their listeners uh, all the resources they need to make the most educated decision when they decide to deny or embrace Christianity in particular for a Christian apologist. So, so really, uh, to me, that would be the first point I would make of why I feel like apologetics is important. And I also want to preface what I'm saying by, because I'm going to say some things that make it sound like I'm negative or down on apologetics. The fact is I feel comfortable saying the things I'm going to say because in actuality for me, it's the opposite daily in my life, my, my everyday life. Uh, I do a lot of, I spend a lot of time like looking into subjects and trying to educate myself as best as I can, just as a lay person, uh, just seeking out credible sources and putting the pieces of the puzzle together to learn about subjects and actually be educated. And the purpose of doing it is to be able to be a resource to people that I come across to bring credible information and, and wipe away the clouds and the murkiness, kind of clear out some of the debris and get down to just the, the raw facts of whatever that subject may be whether it be a historical thing or a scientific thing or um, just a just a straight up biblical subject that somebody might have an issue with. And so I spend a lot of time doing that because I actually get a satisfaction and enjoyment out of having those conversations with skeptics, with unbelievers or with uh, a Christian that's just uncertain on some subject or point and being able to bring something of value and sustenance to the table, you know, of, of real substance. And um, I do enjoy that. And the secondary reason for me as a believer from an evangelical, well, let me say it this way, because that's become a political term. <laughs> that's a whole other subject for another show. But from, from an evangelist state of mind, uh, the other reason is to meet a person where they're at. And I do feel like that's the, the value of apologetics for me and for the apologist, the Christian apologist is people do have all kind of 
ideas nowadays. And I really, I really in love want to be able to meet a person where they're at, regardless of what they're believing in. It could be, I don't care how crazy it is. And I want to have resources to actually identify with that belief system. And let's start there as a starting point to where I can work with you and not just to proselyte you and convert you, but that we can have a rational, coherent um, conversation where you are and bring you to where I'm at and how I got here. And that way, at least, you know, whoever I'm talking to can can, like I said, make informed decisions and not just, you know, leave them in the dark. Like this is what Christianity is about. And if you believe that you're stupid and just leave them there like I don't want to do that. I want to be able to have I want to be able to meet you where you are and understand where you are and how you got there so that I can try to have a a peaceful conversation and bridge that gap and bring you along intellectually to how I I got to where I'm at uh, personally, you know, and to me, that's just that's just loving people. You know what I mean? Like to me, that's a labor of love to be able to do that and to want to do that and then actually to do it. So for me, that's the first, that's the primary and main reason why apologetics is is important is to meet people where they are because people have legitimate questions. And, you know, a lot of the questions that they have are are not there. What we should not do is say, oh, you're just an unbeliever and you shouldn't even be thinking that way. You just need to believe like some of these questions are legitimate. You know, I used to ask questions. What happens to a baby in Pakistan that's never heard the gospel? Does he go to hell? That's a legitimate question. And to me, that would fall in the category of apologetics. Um, why is there so much atrocity in, in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, but even in places in the New? That's a good question. Uh, why are there, now I'm just rambling stuff off. Why are there prosperity preachers flying around in jets? That's a legitimate question. You know what I'm saying? Like, why does the preacher have a jet, but people are starving in, in the hood or in, in Ethiopia or in Central America? That's a good question. You know, that's a legitimate question, I feel like. And I think that it's a it's a true labor of, of love. It's a real uh, evangelizing initiative to want to be able to meet you where you're at and answer those questions. Uh, why is this thing defined as sin? That's a legitimate question. Um, you know, why does the Bible say this, but it doesn't seem to match this historic uh, this chronological part of history. Uh, that's a legitimate question. And there are actually answers to a lot of these things. And so answering them, like I said, irons out wrinkles and it helps a person be a little bit more informed and educated when they're making a decision. And they may still ultimately decide to reject the Bible, you know, and, and Christianity and what God has revealed through us to through the written word and through Jesus Christ ultimately. But at least it's an educated rejection instead of one left in darkness. And I feel like we have a, a a healthy responsibility to rightly divide the word and share why we believe what we do and not just leave somebody off in darkness. You know, I think that's a positive thing to do. And so to me, that's a pro of uh, apologetics. And in the process of doing that, people have legitimate questions. A lot of times that have been based off of illegitimate sources and the example I used with you earlier while we were talking was the 2007 Zeitgeist film. Well, you know, I watched that back before I knew much at all. And it brought a lot of questions to me. I was like, wow, this is crazy. But for some reason, even then as an unbeliever, it didn't settle with me very well. But knowing what I know now, you know, that that entire film 
in places is completely illegitimate, complete nonsense from an academic, you know, uh, scholarly point of view. It's just completely unaccepted history and it's false, flat out. And then other places is this slanted wrong. And then from a theoretical standpoint, some of the things I learned early in my walk is it makes pointless assertions like when was Jesus born and the relations to Christmas. But no, the Bible doesn't assert that Jesus was born on Christmas. That's a human tradition. So it was an irrelevant point. But if you don't know any of these facts, you take that that well. Well, I say well put together, but it was it was creatively put together as a as a. Uh, a work like it was there was a lot of effort put into actually putting it together if you don't know anything from anything and you watch it you could easily write off christianity as a whole off of a uh, hour and a half of almost complete nonsense 90 percent nonsense well 80 percent nonsense 10 percent not exactly relevant information and then 10 percent truths and that's what that documentary is and if this is something that somebody would like to refute or wants to hear more about, we could actually do a whole episode on the zeitgeist. Now, I, I wouldn't, I, I would be fine with doing that, but just email or contact and, and let me know and we could do that. But I'm not going to dive into that now, but we could easily do it. It would just take a little bit of time to hit all the points and validate those claims. So you've got people may, asking legitimate questions that are based off of illegitimate sources. And so apologetics can bring credibility to statements or or bring clarity to those situations where somebody has put all their chips in on something that's not legitimate at all by exposing the raw um, facts, you know what I mean, that are that are credible by bringing credible facts to whatever that subject is. And the zeitgeist would be a prime example of that. So to me, um, that's another example is just, you know, dismantling illegitimate sources that bring seemingly legitimate and coherent presentations or suggestions to the table. I wanted to get that out right. Apologetics does a good job at accomplishing just that. So some things can be seemingly legitimate and coherent, but they actually are not. And if you don't know the history, the facts, the data, you don't have the raw data points to work with, you won't know the difference. But once you do, you realize it's irrelevant. So all those things to me are positives of apologetics and why we should do it and engage in it and, and really give consideration to being able to deal with people that way day to day. Uh, for me, some of the cons, though, and this is where I'm going to kind of bring this all together and then we'll just open it up. And the Kenley will kind of share some of his experience and heart on this subject. but. Um, for one, I think the, the major pitfall overall, the overall point is we're trying to intellectually um, bring people into a revelation of God and of what God has done in and through the earth um, by in creation and then in salvation through Christ through natural means and intellectual means. And the problem is it's a supernatural reality, all of it. And so I just think you're setting yourself up to run into a wall because it's not naturally perceived. And there's quite a few scriptures to this point, and I am going to run through a few of them. But uh, 1 Corinthians 1.18, 1 
Paul says, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the cross is, you know, Paul also says, uh, he said, you know, when I came to you, I did not come with superiority of speech or, or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so that's our message. And when you read in the book of Acts, if you're listening to Peter and these guys, when they go out and they start proclaiming the gospel, one thing you'll notice is they really zone in on Christ's crucifixion and resurrection and the atoning work of the, of the cross that pays for the sins of humanity and gives us life, you know, and empowers us to live a life of repentance, of, of a new life, a power in the Holy Spirit, you know, and um, that is the message. So you, Paul's saying it right there. He's like, you know, uh, in those two places, I focus on the message of the cross. Like he's saying, this is my point of focus. And, you know, another place to kind of, you know, re uh, reinforce that point is Romans 1.16. And so again, Paul says, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So, you know, and then it obviously it says the righteous will live by faith, not by intellect. And some people don't like that. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is there is power in what God has done and who he is and what he's done. And it's found in the gospel message. It's not found in a long list of explanations to the questions that men have. And so I feel like there is value. I feel like it's a labor of love in educating ourselves strictly for the purpose of meeting people where they are, for being able to identify with people. Paul said, you know, I become all things to all people that I may win some to Christ. To me, that's that's that would fall in that category. I want to understand why the new ager believes the things they do. I want to understand why the people that believe in ancient aliens, you know, believe in what they do. Uh, I want to understand why the Muslim believes in what he does. I want to understand why the Jehovah's Witness believes in what he does. Why does the agnostic scientist of uh, that religion of the day that, that deifies modern science and mind, modern scientific theory, why do they believe in the things they do? And how can I meet this person where they are and share some truth with them? But ultimately, I know that at some point it's got to be the gospel message that is the, the end game. Otherwise, I can answer all the questions in the world, but it's not going to bring life-changing power into that person's life. And so I feel like that's kind of what Paul's saying. You know, and that, that was a huge point to me. Like, I become all things to all people that I may win some to Christ. So uh, there's a couple other scriptures that I, I'll just say real quick. John 20, 29, the, the verse where Thomas says, you know, I'm not going to believe unless I see the wounds and touch them. And then he does. And Jesus says, you know, well, good. You believe because you saw. But blessed are those that have not seen and still believe. And so as much as it may offend our intellect, at some point, every man and woman has going to is going to have to come to a place where they make a rational decision to believe that which they cannot rationalize to a certain extent. Now, me personally and through apologetics, I would do it if I was talking to you directly, I will I will tell you that I believe and seek to explain why I believe that Christianity is very logical and very coherent. 
But at the end of the day, and you, you have to do this if you take a theoretical scientific approach to your belief system as well, you're going to have to put your eggs in a basket that you can't see. But there's so much that you can see. And so, and I would say, and that would probably be a lot more preaching than for another time, but even the power of God can be seen through a man or woman's life. Um, it just can. So it readily can be acknowledged. But Paul does say that the, the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, the message of the cross, but it's the power of God to those that are being saved by it. Um, so I guess the last thing that I'll uh, say is, you know, Proverbs 3 says, and a lot of people know this verse, you know, we lean not on our, on our own understanding, but trust in the Lord with all of our heart, you know, with your mind. And for me, apologetics is a great way to bridge the gap between the offense of the cross to those that don't believe or understand. It's a great way to bridge the gap by, by answering questions. But the goal is still we've got to get to the gospel message. That's where we're going. And that's where we have to go. Otherwise, it's going to be all for nothing for the hearer. And the other the other element for me would be uh, at the bare minimum, it's a great way to plant seeds where somebody is believing something that's actually in actuality illegitimate. It's not credible. No scholar uh, in any peer reviewed setting would accept it. But yet some documentary was made or some YouTube video. And I come across somebody that's based their whole life on this this ideology that they've got, that they fostered. And I might just plant a seed through apologetics that later will, will be effective. But it's the watering and the increase of the gospel itself, which is the message of Christ and him crucified on behalf of our redemption and eternal life. You know, we have overcome death through him. That's going to make the difference. Um, at some point, I have to recognize that there's I have a sin problem. And because of it, I have a death problem. I'm going to die. Death is the proof that we all have a sin issue that has affected us all. We're all in the same boat. And that allows me to be receptive to the message of what God's done to bring the solution to that problem, which is the cross and the resurrection. And through that, I have an answer to the sin problem, both its dominion over my life and the, the repercussion of it, which is death. They're both solved in Christ. And that allows me to receive that. God-given power in my life that that will manifest throughout all eternity. So that's my take on that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over and we'll see what McKinley's got to say on all this stuff that I just spilled out there. Yeah. So um, so that, yeah, that was a that was a great bit. Alrighty. So yeah, that was a lot, and uh, and it's hard to it's hard to jump off all of that you said. Um, but I I do get the point. And so apologetics, uh, I mean, you may know this, uh, but maybe your audience doesn't. So apologetics comes from the Greek word apologia, which means reason defense. And apologetics does not only come from like, or does not only defend Christianity, apologetic, like every form of religion has like an apologist. Everybody has a reason why they do things. Uh, and that's important. Like, so, so here's the thing. So I think everybody in this life, everybody in the world right now, whether they've been exposed to the gospel or haven't been exposed to the gospel, has a belief like about God and life. And that's theology and philosophy. Everybody's a theologian. Everybody's a philosopher. But are you a good one? That's the real question. 
Um, what what do you use your theology for? What do you use your philosophy for? Do you use that to impose upon people? Do you use that to hurt people? Do you use that to live your life? How does that work? And so this is what I'm trying to get at right here um, with apologetics. Like it's so important, and I can even I can even speak of, from a personal testimony. Like I did not grow up in church. I grew up visiting church, but I didn't grow up with fellow believers uh, who understood the gospel, who understood, who really followed Jesus. I did not grow up with people who, who, um, who lived out their faith like, um, like crazily. Like it's almost like every Christian is is ideally supposed to be Christ-like, and the Christians, the professing Christians that I was around growing up, lived just like me. You know what I'm saying? And so I, in a sense, took on the name Christian. However, I did not live Christ-like at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's different, too. That's what I'm trying to get at right here. Like, there's a confessional theology that each of us have. We all believe things about God. We all have thoughts about God. Um, we all have personal biases against God and the things of God, et cetera, et cetera. But that confessional theology... Uh, and that, that theology that is, that is sort of functional. So there's a confessional and a functional theology. How do you live out and do you live out what you believe? Is that consistent? And so I think it's important. This is what I'm getting at. Like uh, when I first came to a church, uh, when I was 16 years old, 17, almost 17 years old, I knew absolutely nothing about the Bible. I knew of the name of Jesus, didn't know anything about the sort of miracles or any sort of teachings that he had. And yet I had professed to be a Christian almost my whole life. My parents, uh, you know, they, again, they would take me to church on Sundays. I didn't go hang out with kids. I didn't go do any of this. I would sit under some preaching. Um, And, you know, some of it was kind of emotional. Some of it, you know, I kind of felt something at that point. But as for believing it or pursuing Christ, there was none of that at all. And so I visited a church when I was 16 years old. And man, the person that was preaching, um, you know, still a part of my life today, like just the passion in his voice, uh, the understanding that I felt that he had of Jesus and the Bible, I just found that appealing. I found that desirable. And so I desired to know this Jesus who he was talking about. And that's, that's essentially what apologetics is. Like the problem is, is that we have a lot of people on this earth, like who have beliefs, who have views on a lot of different things, but is it consistent? Is it rational? Is it logical? And I do believe that that Christianity, that Christ made the most sense. Um, The things that Jesus says were no light matter. Like it's nothing you can just kind of shove off. Like, that's what Thomas Jefferson tried to do, actually. There's a lot of people like this. Thomas Jefferson took the entire Bible, mm-hmm. um, the entire New Testament, and he he basically scraped away and threw out all the miracles that Jesus did and only had a book for his teachings. Mm-hmm. And look, like, that's what's so, that's what's amazing. That's what's kind of odd about Jesus is he spoke a lot of truth. You know what I'm saying? So, but for him to say other things that were not truthful, or didn't have a, some sort of integrity about it, how could I just throw that out? How could I just ignore that? And so, again, that's where apologetics comes in. Like, it's not so much about meeting uh, the, the listener here or even meeting you or even meeting me with logic or reason. So, look, this is the, this is the kind of painting that I was thinking about while you were speaking. 
So like Jesus, uh, picture this: we're in Jerusalem. It's like year zero. Like, or no, no, I would say I would say year BC one, BC two. Like Jesus is about to die. Um, uh, you can even say this. So at the exact time that Jesus was carrying the cross up to Calvary, he's being crucified. You know, you and me, Sammy, we're having a conversation. We're having a conversation with the people in the marketplace. Like, like we just became fresh disciples. Like, yeah, you know, I don't know where Jesus is at right now, but man, he loves you so much. Mm-hmm. He loves you so much. And guess what? He came to take away the sins of the entire world. Jesus, he was a great guy, just a wonderful guy. And, you know, we met him just a few days ago and we're already disciples and stuff like that. We want to follow him. And, you know, they're doing something right now, but, um, but yeah, just let me tell you about this Jesus dude that we met a few days ago. The person would look at you like you're trying to come out with a like you're trying to reason with him about this Jesus dude, but like he doesn't see it. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Until you take him to the cross. You know what I'm saying? So in a yeah. scenario where we knew that Jesus was dying on the cross at Calvary, how about we take that person up to Calvary and allow him to see it for himself? Right. Listen to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Sit down at Jesus' feet and learn of him. That changes the whole thing. And I think that's where apologetics really gets its power with evangelism. It's not showing, it's not telling people things about Jesus. It's literally showing them Jesus, not just in deed or not just in word, not just in speech, not just in eloquence, but in power. You know what I'm saying? In truth, like in deed and in truth. Um, and that that's the whole message of the Bible, really. Like it, Jesus wasn't just a person that talked a lot. Like he really showed up. He really did what he had to do. Um, and that was, that's my heart for everyone that's listening. That's my heart for Sammy, even, and for myself, like, and for the people of the world, man. Like, would we, would we really be honest with ourselves and think about Jesus for a second? Not, not no biased opinions, not no, not anything we've ever been taught, not anything that people have ever told us, not anything we've ever found online, but really just sit down and, and talk about Jesus with people with, you know what I'm saying? Ha- sit down with the Bible and, and come to it like a child who's willing to learn, although not really ready to believe, you know, I think that's where power comes. And so, um, you know, I was going to say like the things that Jesus says, like they, unlike anyone in this world will af- have to affect you if they're true. So let's say I take Hitler or something like that. Like Hitler, the things Hitler said about himself, the things Hitler said about people, that doesn't really that doesn't affect my life at all. Think about it. But if Jesus Christ really was the Son of God, if everything he said was true, if he cannot lie, if he resurrected from the dead, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. That changes my, that may not change my life at the moment, right now, but eternally, that changes everything. Uh, and so look, that's where unbelief comes in too. And you have to rationalize with this on your own. Everybody has a wrestling they have to do. You know, Israel literally means wrestling with God and spiritually we're Israelites. Like we wrestle with God. We wrestle with his, his existence. We wrestle with the, his person, like his, his work, his, um, his heart, everything, his love, his grace, his holiness. And, and just think about this for a second, okay? So even on an unreasonable level, if I told you about heaven and hell, chances are you don't believe it because you don't see it. But 
if I go my entire life and I neglect really sitting down with this idea of heaven and hell, if I go my entire life without without really facing the, that that situation, that reality, I will wake up one day and realize that the only person that I fooled was myself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Listen, I was I said this actually, you know. So my at my church, you're able to like stand up at the end and like say something like give a praise to the Lord, like you know, um, you know, say something from your heart, give a verse like a Bible, like a Bible mm-hmm. verse and encouragement, all this other stuff. And so I usually do stand up. Like I really like I got so much that I want to say, and like my church, um, you know, they're kind of old fashioned and all this other stuff. But like, man, I'm learning stuff every day that I just want to share with people. And so if I can't share with anybody else, I want to share with these people. Mm-hmm. And so I stood up one time and, and you know, there's people in my church that wrestle with unbelief, like really just don't believe like God. You know, and that, I think that's the difference between a Christian and non-Christian. Like Christians believe God, like as found in Scripture, as found in the person of Jesus Christ. We just believe him. Um, and so look, this is what I was saying. So I stood up one time and I was just thinking about hell. I was thinking about hell because it was like a fire and brimstone like sermon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and look, that used to annoy me, but like it's sobering to think about. Mm-hmm. So imagine this, okay? God opens a portal for the listener that's listening. God opens a portal in front of Sammy. God opens a portal in front of me right now. One second and he shows us heaven. We would do everything in our power to attain it. Okay? Now, now on the contrary, God shows us a portal of hell for one mm-hmm. second. Literally, you cannot blink because you'll miss it. Um, he shows us a portal of hell. We would do everything in our power to escape and avoid that hell. Mm-hmm. And so, but let, that's the difference, though. Like, it, it's it's it, these are two places that seem irrational, but go beyond rational, like rationalizing because they exist. You know what I'm saying? And so, if if God, if if Jesus talked about hell more than he did heaven. And Jesus spoke a lot of truth in his life, and I believe what Jesus said, then I really have to come to grips with that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And he spoke about heaven a lot, and I have to come to grips with that. But ultimately, I have to come to grips with Jesus, the person of Jesus. Who was he? What did he say? And what happened ultimately to him? Well, is he still in the grave, or did he resurrect? And that's the, that's where the question comes from uh, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, a writer used to be terrible, like a, a, a militant atheist, okay? Really rational guy, like worked at Oxford University, like, and that's known for it to have intellectual giants within it. But, um, but I mean, he, he said, like, ultimately, because he met uh, A.W. Tozier, which is the guy that wrote, like, Lord of the Rings. And Tozier was a Roman Catholic. Or, no, no, is it Tozier or is it, uh, who wrote Lord of the Rings? I don't know. I, I really think it was Tozier. Because Tozier was a Roman Catholic and he's a Christian. Anyways, he worked at Oxford with C.S. Lewis. Yeah. And C.S. Lewis was just captivated by the love that A.W. Tozier had. Um, and the interest in Christ, too. So they would walk from class to class and all this other stuff. And they would just talk about Jesus because C.S. Lewis had his refutes. Like, C.S. Lewis had his rationalization. And he was a very smart man of why he didn't believe in Jesus. And Tozier really told him, like, you know, Lewis, you studied all sorts of fairy tales. You studied all sorts of literature. He said, but I can tell you, I've done the same exact thing, and there is no story like the Bible. Mm-hmm. The, the He said, the Bible is too rigged, too rugged. Like, is that even a word? Not rigged. Too, too rough and too almost imperfect 
to be a fairy tale, to be made up, to be some something that someone just kind of uh, came up with. Um, and Lewis began to be a Christian. Anyway, see, I'm getting to this point right here. So Lewis said Lewis became a, the, a lay theologian, like began to write books about Jesus and all this other stuff. And he said, at the end of the day, everyone's got to wrestle with this one question. He said, when you look at the person of Jesus, he was either a liar, he was a lunatic, or he was Lord. There's three options. That's it. When you when you analyze the person of Jesus, was he a liar? You know, he said many things, but were they true? Was he a lunatic? He said crazy things. He said, I and the Father are one. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, uh, before Abraham was, I am. All this other stuff. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the true vine. I'm the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the, the water of life. I'm the bread of life. I am... Um, he just said all sorts of things. Uh, and look, he even said this, I think, in John 17. He said that they may know you. He was talking about his disciples, that he was talking to God. But he was talking about the disciples in his prayer. And he said that they may know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Yeah. Um, we've all got to wrestle with that. Was he a lunatic? Was everything he said, you know, not only was it, not only could it have been false, but was he crazy? Was he literally out of his mind when he was speaking about he's, you know, he and he came from heaven and that he was going to die and resurrect and, and all this other stuff. Was he a liar? Was he a, a lunatic or was he truly Lord? Mm-hmm. Was he the Lord of the heavens? Was he the Lord that created everything, created all of us that died on a cross, took our punishment, took our guilt, took our shame, um, took essentially ev- all of our sin, everything. And then resurrect from the dead and pay for it on the cross. So, can I, I just throw something in real yeah, quick? Yeah, you're good. Yeah, good. So, <clears throat> this is really the whole point of the twenty-something minutes that I talked that I that I trying to make. Like where I live with this thing is, <clears throat> I'm not sure where you got that, but I, I know C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. Sure did. Is that what you meant? What are you talking about? You said well, you said that A.W. Tozer wrote the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Who was it then? I don't know who wrote the Lord of the Rings, but I don't think it was A.W. Tozer. Yeah, it, it sure was, right? You look it up. Hold on. So, but the bottom line, though, for me is it's exactly that. Like, the cross, Paul said, you know, I've determined to know nothing among you except Christ oh, and him crucified. It's J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah. Tolkien, my bad. So, all right, so this they is what I'm saying, though. They both were at Oxford. Okay, see, I, I didn't know that story, but I was like, but I mean, I, I'm pretty familiar with Tozer stuff, so I was like, I don't know that. But the thing is, that's kind of the point. So I determined to know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. The The cross and the resurrection is a, it's a cornerstone. It's the cornerstone which the house is built on. It's the foundation of which the house is laid. And so it's fixed. It doesn't move. You know what I mean? But in apologetics, when you start to really get away from that and you start to overemphasize answering men's questions to appeal to their intellect, to to, you know, um, meet them intellectually, you you get away from the fixed, firm rock of our salvation and you become susceptible to issues. And so we can make mistakes like that. And so, you know, when you're dealing with a person, 
That's why I'm saying our safest bet in evangelism is the biblical model of the gospel message. Because like people and what I'm saying, when I talk about apologetics, people have questions like, you know, why does Psalm, um, I forgot what Psalm it is, talk about smashing the enemy's baby's heads on the rocks. Like, that's brutal. Like, is God for that? Or why do Lot's daughters sleep with him, you know? Mm-hmm. Or why does God say wipe out all the Canaanites and genocide them and all, all these all these different things that people come with these. And you can answer these questions and there are answers to these. And a lot of times you're asking the question because you're not looking at it with the right perspective. You're villainizing God and it's not, it's not the correct approach. And you can, you can actually articulate and answer those questions for a person. But the thing is the foundation from which all that's coming from is already rocky and not sturdy. And so, you know, I can be wrong. So if I do an apologetics uh, meeting and I take a Q&A and I answer 10 questions and I answer them very well, uh, I articulate them very well and my information is sound, you know, peer-reviewed, scholastically accepted material across the board. I just come with the straight data points, boom, 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 and I connect them for you. But I was misinformed. And one thing I said, like, you know, saying like, you know, that then that skeptic walks away justified because he's building his whole approach off of uh, intellectual reception of the material. But the material is not intellectually received. That's why it says the carnal mind can't apprehend the things of God. And so, but what transcends that, Jesus said, my words are spirit in their life. The Father is spirit. Those that would worship him must do so in spirit and in truth. And they do go together. And you know, if I'm building my entire platform on the foundation, I'm building on the foundation that was set for us, then I'm building on something that's solid. And the people I encounter might not be able to intellectually receive it immediately. They're probably not. But I'm planting an incorruptible safe seed to plant um, by the model and blueprint that's laid out for us. You know what I mean? Because I'm susceptible to be wrong about things. But if I stick to the script, which is Christ and him crucified, I can't get that wrong. It came and happened in a moment in time. It was God's work and plan and it's done and it's finished. He literally said it, you know? And so that's a safe, that's a safe place to cast my seed or that's a safe seed to cast, should I say, you know what I mean? Cause I guess, cause I'm hearing the things you're saying about apologetics and I feel like you're saying what my point is that to me, what I'm hearing is what I would call, biblical one-on-one evangelism it's the message of the cross and jesus but a lot of times in these in modern apologetics when i watch these conferences and i enjoy them you know i'm 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 not net down on apologetics but a lot of what's going on is people have all these questions about these kind of things and so i can watch 30 45 minutes of an apologetic seminar or q a shall i say and the raw gospel message never gets shared. We're answering all kinds of questions about the Bible. Why is this in the Bible? Why would God say something like that? Who wrote this? Why should we trust that Matthew wrote this? It's all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I don't have a problem answering those questions. I enjoyed it to seek out those answers myself. But they're not, they're not the they're not that cornerstone message, you know? Yeah, I agree. Uh you know, man, we we do try to, so listen, the thing, the thing is, bro, is there was a, you know, everybody knows Sir Isaac Newton and, you know, I was just sort of thinking about wisdom and like knowledge 
And like those things are extremely important. But like you think about someone like Sir Isaac Newton, like man created calculus in a summer. <laughs> like man formed calculus, came up with the idea of gravity and the laws of motion, all this other stuff. People that, that are still used today, like 200 years later, 300 years later almost. Like uh, for a man of that magnitude of, I guess, intellectual ability, um, for him to say, I'm about to read this quote real quick. He, and look, so for him to say what he's about to say, and you, it all makes sense after I say it, but for him to say this and like for him to realize that he doesn't know everything. And yet we walk around like we know everything. We walk around and, and you'll find that road. Like I, I know, especially like when I was a kid, even before I found Christ, man, I, I felt superior in my understanding. And like when you when you meet the person of Jesus, when you meet, uh, you know, God, who is the who is the fountain of all wisdom, the fountain of all knowledge, like on an infinite scale, you just realize how much you don't know. And so for Jesus to come and really like give you answers to questions that we all have, like about identity, like who who are we? What where did we come from? Why are we here? You know, the questions can be endless. Why is literally a word that can that can unpack uh, anything, okay? Yeah. And so, look, this is what Sir Isaac Newton said. He said, I know not how I seem to others, but to myself I am but a small child wandering upon the vast shores of knowledge, every now and then finding a small bright pebble to content myself <laughs> with while the vast ocean of undiscovered truth lay before me. Uh it's just crazy. So for him to understand, man, science and mathematics and philosophy and, and man, just to be a student of knowledge, a, a, a scholar, for him to be as brilliant as he was, and for him to say that he has traveled along the shores of knowledge, the vast shores of knowledge, and he's only discovered a few bright pebbles, like, man, that opens up a lot of different things. And so... um. He, he even said one time in another quote, he said he only has obtained in his entire lifetime a drop of knowledge, and yet there's an entire ocean of knowledge. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Um, and look, uh, Sir Isaac Newton was also a Christian. He was a theologian. Okay, and he said this too. I thought this was funny, but for the sake of, I guess, uh, humor. He says, in the absence of any other proof, the thumb alone would convince me of God's existence. The thumb, you know, everybody, everybody's listening. I hope has a thumb, you know what I'm saying? Sammy has a thumb. I can tell. I got two of them. Yeah, I got two of them too. <laughs> and so, uh, but like the thumb, man, what would we do without the thumb? It would, life would be kind of inconvenient without a thumb. Uh, and I would even say in a, in a, like without a hand, you know? Um, but like the thumb alone for God's existence, like he, God has orchestrated and planned and and placed like us on this earth at a certain time at a certain place um to really seek him and to find him and to show others to him and like we would be doing a massive injustice to everyone that we know if we just tried to meet them academically yeah or intellectually you know i was thinking <laughs> about this too like and real quick this is just a real quick quote or whatever like so a so the marketplace, the people in the marketplace, you know, the poor, the people who are blue collar, like work every day, don't really care much about books or anything like that or academics. Like 
the they can become academics, but if the academics can't reach down what they know to the the people of the marketplace, the regular people of the world, then they're completely lost. Both of them are disconnected. Yeah. Both of them are excommunicated, excommunicated from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and people with this gospel understanding, this this view of absolute truth found in the person of Jesus Christ, I really have to meet you as you are when you are. You know, yeah. And I have to I have to speak in such a way that you can understand. And without that, there's no change. There's no progress. I guess you could say in history. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what you think about that. But. So. Well, one thing that you just said that to me, like, <clears throat> encapsulated my my whole view on this thing is you said that there can be infinite questions. There are infinite questions. So for every 10 you answer, 100 more are going to pop up. Yeah, for sure. And it's just going to get worse as we go because our, our capacity to explore is increasing. And it's an infinite universe. So it's just going to keep on being a problem. But I just feel like at the end of the day, for every single human being, out of the infinite multitude of questions that's ever expanding, because it's infinite, it's really going to come down to one thing. And and I'm just going to read this real quick. You know, so Matthew 16, a lot of y'all are going to know this the moment I start reading. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And at the end of the day, that is the ultimate question of every man and woman's life. Now, as a Christian, obviously, that's what I believe. Now, as a skeptic or, or just total um, militant unbeliever, you wouldn't agree with that. And so the reason why I, I really felt led to ask you to join in this conversation and just real briefly in like a, a short statement or two, because I know that you're 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 a young guy that, that definitely is going to be assertive and proactive and wanting to share the gospel with people, complete strangers. It's like the guy we were talking to out there. Like, I know that you carry yourself that way and um, be very outgoing. And you're always going to want to gear the, the conversations towards the Lord. And so, and I know that probably the majority of people you deal with are probably younger, under the age of 25, I would imagine. What would be, in light of what we're talking about, you know, apologetics versus more just just laser-like focused evangelism on the cross and Christ crucified, as opposed to dealing with a lot of the semantic issues, what would be, in a few short statements, you know, your your advice based on the experiences you had over the last years what would be on advice for apologetics to, to anybody for, that for, just wants to evangelize to their oh, co-workers yeah, to sure. their classmates you know to their family members yeah. cousins that type of stuff so look yeah quickly bro so dude know the bible know it study it i'm not saying dude just study the bible go into your you know your study and know and like know a bunch of verses know a bunch of verses memorize a bunch of verses like know everything so you can just boss up on people intellectually Right. But really know him, know the Bible so that you can know Christ and know Christ that way you can share him. Like, man, go up to the mountain and spend time with Christ, bro. And I promise you, like, go up to the mountain daily. Like, we have that power. We, we enter the throne room of grace and God's not mad at us. God's not angry with us because we're in Christ. But really get to know Christ. And look, that your your evangelism will come out of overflow. It really will. It'll come naturally to you. And like evangelism is scary, bro, because so many people have refutations. Like people so people. People are very emotional. 
Like you can't just talk about Christ intellectually. You can't. You can't meet them in the mind. Like you can present a fool. I mean, I don't have to say this foolish, but you can print some present somebody who's angry with you with absolute truth, but you will not win them. You will yeah. not win them. And so, really, man, uh, grow to grow to know Christ through His Word, by His Spirit, by God's help, by God's you know praying for wisdom. And really uh, learn of Jesus, bro, and then share him with the world. Like, and then look, you live in the culture. Learn the culture. Learn that they struggle with identity. You know what I'm saying? With homo- homosexuality, with with uh, critical race theory, with transgenderism. You know, uh, you know, uh, and like, and man, it'll just flow. It'll it'll flow, bro, like a river. Hmm. Amen. Yeah. So. I want to definitely thank you for stopping in and doing this one. You know what I mean? And um, I do feel like it's a important subject. And I, I think we both kind of like in different ways land on the same spot. But at the end of the day, the the pure core message of the gospel is what the world needs. And I mean, it makes sense because that's what God chose to do. The Bible is centered around the cross, you know, or centered I guess in the cross is like the central theme of the whole thing. And so if it was good enough for him, it's, it's good enough period. And um, I think one thing that trips us up just real quick that I thought about while we were talking is one of the issues we have a lot of times that if we, if we would gather this, it would help us take the edge off and just relax in trusting the Lord is that in our microwave culture, we expect to see results right now, but we forget that one plants, another one waters, but it's God who gives the increase. And so in our zeal, we want to see people come to a logical, rational um, conclusion to firmly believe in the Lord Jesus because we talk to them right now. We want to be the person, the man or the woman that brought them into the kingdom. But it's really not God's way. You know, there's a planting, a watering and a harvesting process that takes place. And sometimes you just happen to be the one that came in at harvest time. But it's God's increase. God knows everything about this person you're talking to. And so I just want to be open. I want to be not forceful, you know what I mean? And treat people like people, even if they're radical militant atheists. That's that's my goal and that's my prayer for my heart. Like God condition and cleanse my heart to a point to where I can just share whatever I have. And I want to have something that's useful. I want to have tools of apologetics to give a person. But God conditioned me to a place to where... I can just be the way you would be. And what I see Jesus doing in the Gospels is just meeting people where they were at. I I think about the woman at the well all the time. But she had a lot of issues. She had theological issues, like not just sin issues. This woman had, she she had theological issues. She didn't understand, you know. So she had things, uh, racial issues, uh, gender role issues. She had things that she didn't appropriate correctly the way God did. And he didn't rebuke her for a lot of that per se. You know, he kind of came in and met her where he, she was at, but he touched the most sensitive part of her life. And in a non-condemning way, he began to bring life out from that place. And that had life transformation power in and over her. So that's how I want to be. You know what I mean? Like that would be, that is my prayer for me. And us as a church really because it is an interesting time we live in it is the information age and the questions are not going to go away they're only going to increase but the only question that really matters when you wipe all the other ones away is who do i as an individual say 
that Jesus is, not just was, but is currently. Yeah. And you know, I, I honestly don't care how we get there, but we got to get to that place. That's where we're trying to get to. And that's the moment where somebody has a transformational change. Yeah. So like I said, I want to thank you for jumping in. Hopefully we can get you back on board in the future on some of these. And like I said, just be a blessing to whoever comes across this. <laughs> yeah, man. I want to thank you personally and uh, publicly even because many people will listen to this. But uh, thank you for, you know, who you are, staying true to Jesus and staying true to people, staying yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like Jesus is, Jesus will really use you as you are. And, um, you know, I think about that story with the leper, right? The leper went his entire life just feeling like a nobody, feeling undesirable. Like think not only people thinking about that, thinking that about him, but he literally thought that about himself. And then Jesus shows up on the scene, touches him and heals him. Mm-hmm. And his entire life is different from that point on. That's an experience that 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 man that time when he lived will never forget meeting Jesus. And that's ultimately what a Christian is, bro. Never mm-hmm. forgetting that time that you met Jesus. And like I go for, you know, I'm on I'm on time. 3067, you know what I'm saying? I'm beating Jesus like every single day. Yeah. Um, and really, I guess that would be kind of true because I, you know, I, I do get in that secret place every day and I do, I've only been a Christian for like five years now, but, uh, but yeah, dude, just thank you for who you are. And, and like, I encourage everybody who's listening, man, just to like, if you know everything about the Bible, you know, it word for word, you can recite it to me from old Testament to new, if you know it, the whole thing back backwards and forwards, but you don't know Christ, you missed it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You missed it. You absolutely <laughs> missed it. You know what I'm saying? Get to Jesus. Every verse, every chapter is a road that leads to the cross. Get there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Well, amen. So I appreciate it. I'm about to go cook some chicken wings and asparagus. So, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> that's what's about to take place here in a minute. All right. Well, that'll do it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Mountain. Please reach us at thegardenmountain at gmail.com with any questions, concerns, or comments on this episode, any future episodes, or past episode. You'll also find the link to our YouTube channel in the description of the channel. And any links relative to the topics that were discussed in today's episode will be posted in the description area of this episode. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to seeing y'all next time.